السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يحده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فإن أحسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار uh, So in this gathering today inshallah ta'ala we want to remind ourselves with respect to the greatness of the month of Ramadan which is about that we are about to enter into and look at the aspect of Tawheed which manifests strongly in this particular act of worship and we want to explore the angles from which the aspect of Tawheed manifests very strongly and very powerfully in this particular act of worship and likewise we want to look also at some of the objectives that a Muslim should have behind this month of Ramadan, what are the qualities, what are the stations that he's trying to achieve and that he should try to fulfill by, by the end of this month. So what we are going to do inshallah ta'ala is I have a very beneficial booklet here called Madahir al-Tawheed fi Ramadan Manifestations of Tawheed in Ramadan and it is by one of the students of Sheikh Ubaid al-Jabri, Hafizahullah ta'ala, Sheikh Muhammad bin Ghalib al-Umri. So we'll try our best to work through this book during the two lectures which I have today, inshallah ta'ala. Um, and we'll try our best to complete the book if we can, inshallah ta'ala. So we begin first of all looking at, first of all, the importance of Tawheed and every Muslim Every Salafi, he understands the greatness of the affair of Tawheed. Without going into great length, because I have a lot of material to cover, I'm just going to mention some of the benefits, some of the virtues and some of the excellences of Tawheed, though they are many and tremendous. So, and from the affairs of Tawheed, which are that if a person dies upon Tawheed, even if he meets Allah with sins like mountains, then this will save him from the hellfire. It guarantees him paradise. And also from the tremendous benefits of Tawheed is that when a person worships Allah understanding Tawheed, he actually understands Tawheed and reflects upon the book of Allah and the son of his messenger and studies the affair of Tawheed, you see that this person will be able to handle life easily compared to other people because whatever comes to him from the calamities the hardships the losses that come to him in his wealth in his health in his uh, life and in you know in his person in his body and so on and so forth he will be resilient and he will be able to proceed in life much easier than other people who are filled with anxiety and stress and, and so on and so forth and that's why you see the people of Tawheed, they um, 
the, the, these affairs become very easy upon them and they take the example of the prophets and messengers. In every prophet and messenger, there is an illustration of how Tawheed, the, the, the issue of Tawheed, carried them through the trials, whether that's trials from a disbelieving people, whether that's the trials of uh, health, ill health, like Ayyub salam, whether it's the trial, whatever type of trial, you'll see that in the prophets, you see that they, they were given strength and given tawfiq by Allah to pass through these trials. So the second benefit that we want to mention about tawheed is that a believer, a muwahid, who understands tawheed, then the, he finds ease and serenity and calmness and the ability to pass through life with the least amount of stress and anxiety, with resilience. The third benefit that we can mention is that it is something which frees a person from enslavement. A muwahid is the freest person, is the, is the most free person that there can be. Because why? This is a discussion in and of itself. But from the manifestations of that is, his heart is attached only to Allah And This is from the fruits and the consequences of Tawheed. His heart, its love, its fear, its hope, its reliance, its attachment in general, is only to Allah And this is true freedom from any type of enslavement. He acts only to, for the sake of Allah. So all of this is, is the greatest type of nobility, the greatest type of honor. And in contrast to that, you see the people of shirk. And likewise, from amongst the Muslimin whose hearts are attached to the worldly things and to the pursuits of the world, you see that these people are really, in essence, enslaved by either the absence of Tawheed, the absence of Tawheed in the case of the disbeliever and the mushrik, or the weakness of Tawheed in that person's heart. Because when Tawheed is weak, it means the attachment is to other things besides Allah And that person will then, be, will then be enslaved to those things. Whether it is wealth, whether it is to you know, his family or relatives, or, or a wife maybe, or children maybe, right, to whom he has a, a, an exaggeration or an attachment that is not, not healthy. And that is outside of the bounds of the, of, of, of the Sharia. So... From the greatest benefits and virtues of Tawheed is that a person is truly free of enslavement. Any type of enslavement that can basically uh, harm him or limit him. So there are many, many benefits of Tawheed. Uh, again, purely for the sake of brevity, we only want to mention a few uh, because the time is short. And so then on top of this, we can mention many other things establishing the importance of Tawheed. From them, first of all, it is something upon which Allah has made mankind inclined to. It is from the fitrah. So every child, as you know in the hadith, كُلُّ مَوْلُودٍ يُولَدُ عَلَى الْفِطْرَةِ Every child is born upon the fitrah. It is his parents who turn him into a Jew or a Christian or into a Majin. We do not see in this hadith that it said that, the, that, that it is his parents who turn him into a Muslim. But he said it about a Jew or a Christian or a Majin because Islam is the original natural state. A child is inclined towards worshipping Allah and being grateful for all of the favours that you know, it perceives. That's the first point. Second point, this Tawheed is the very first covenant. So we have the fitrah, 
that a child is inclined upon, first of all. Then we have Tawheed, it is the very first covenant that is made. And this is the covenant which is mentioned in the, in the verse in the Quran and likewise the, the, the hadith as well. It's the first covenant that was taken when the souls were extracted uh, from the back of uh, uh, Adam or from the, uh, the, the Bani Adam, uh, depending on whether you go to the hadith or the, or, or the ayah. And so this basically is a recognition and, and a covenant that has been made. So that's Tawheed there as well. Likewise, it is the first pillar of Islam. The first pillar of Islam. And as you know, Islam, uh, the, the Islam of a servant cannot be established except by way of Tawheed, which is him speaking with the Shahada and believing it firmly in his heart. Likewise, thirdly or fourthly, I think it's fourthly, uh, it is the first pillar of Iman. Belief in Allah, this comprises the Tawheed of Allah Azza wa Jal. And Iman in Allah means you believe in his existence and his rububiyyah, his uluhiyah and his asma'i wa sifat, his names and attributes. So we have Tawheed there as well. Likewise, the first obligation upon any person, the first obligation is the Tawheed of Allah Azza wa Jal, to single out Allah Azza wa Jal in worship. And likewise, the first thing that you call to is you call to the Tawheed of Allah Azza wa Jal. As the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi used to send various companions to different places, like he sent Mu'adh bin Jabal anhu, to the Yemen, and he said to him, فَلْيَكُنْ أَوَّلَ مَا تَدُوهُمْ Let the first thing that you call them to be, أَنْ يُوَحِدُ اللَّهَ تَعَالَى That they single out Allah. And if they accept this, then tell them that there are five prayers obligatory upon them upon in a, in a day and night. So we see it is the first call in da'wah. And that's reflected in the Qur'an where we see that every messenger that, that was sent, he was ordered to say what? O oh my people, Allah, ma lakum min ilahin O oh my people, worship Allah. You have no other deity besides him. Likewise, we see that it is the very first command in the Qur'an. In fact, it is the very first description of a believer in the Qur'an. The first action that we mention, we are mentioning that we worship Allah alone and that we seek aid from Allah alone. So as, 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 as a quality, as an action, first of all, in Surah Al-Fatiha. And secondly, the first command in the Qur'an where Allah orders us to do something, there's Tawheed as well. It is in the beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah, uh, in which Allah, in verse number 21, in which Allah Azawajal, He says, Ya yuhannas u'budu rabbakum, O mankind, addressed to the whole of mankind, worship your Lord, worship your Lord, the one who, alladhi khalaqakum, walladhina min qablikum, the one who created you and those who came before you. So it is the first command in the Quran. And likewise, what Tawheed comprises of the forgiveness and expiation of sins if you die upon Tawheed as we see in the Hadith Qudsi Yabna Adam إِنَّكَ لَوْ أَتَيْتَنِي بِقُرَابِ الْأَرْضِ خَطَايَا O son of Adam, if you were to meet me or if you were to come to me with an earth full of sins ثُمَّ لَقِيْتَنِي لَا تُشْرِكُ بِي شَيْئًا and you met me without having associated any partners in worship with me 
meaning you worshipped Allah alone. لَأَتَيْتُكَ بِقُرَابِهَا مَغْفِرَةً I will come to you with an equal, with its equal of, of forgiveness. So Tawheed brings forgiveness and expiation if a person dies upon it. Even if you come without having made Tawbah, if you die with sins and you did not make Tawbah for those sins, then the virtue of Tawheed is such, then you can still be forgiven. You are under Allah's Mashi'ah. If He wills, He will forgive you from His mercy and not punish you for your sins. And if He wills from His wisdom, from His justice, He may punish you for a limited time to expiate your sins so that you can enter into paradise. So this is the tremendous virtue of Tawheed. Likewise, what Tawheed brings of security and safety and protection in this life and the next, we see that in the Quran, Allah Zawajal, He says, Those who believe and do not mix with their belief any dhulm. And the meaning of this dhulm is any shirk. Do not mix and confuse in their belief any aspects of shirk. They are the ones who have al-aman which is security and safety. And they are the ones who are guided. They are the ones who are guided. So Tawheed brings along with it the bounty and the favor of safety and security. And this is a general rule in Allah's creation. If you look at all of the nations of the world, you find that those nations in which Tawheed is strong and manifest, you will see in those nations, generally speaking, Generally speaking, you will see that they are uh, that the people enjoy protection of life and wealth and general safety in a manner that you don't find in other nations. So, for example, in in in, in those lands where Tawheed is strong, you can you know you, you you are less scared about theft and murder and things of that nature than you are in other countries, right? Where there is shirk, where there are graves, where things are worshipped alongside Allah. This is a general rule. So, Tawheed brings with it these tremendous benefits to individuals and societies and whole nations. And also Tawheed is something that is always with a person. Because everything you do, everything that you do, in every action that you do, in all your statements, in all your actions, in all the affairs of worship, you find that the aspect of Tawheed is always running through those affairs, whatever speak that you make, dhikr that you make, uh, whatever you say in obedience to Allah, whatever you refrain from keeping away from disobedience to Allah, whatever you perform with your limbs in obedience to Allah, and so on and so forth. In all of those affairs, the aspect of Tawheed is always running through those statements and those actions and those feelings of the heart. This is how a believer is. Tawheed is always with a person and a, and, a, and a servant should always perceive Tawheed in all of his actions. So from this introduction, all of this introduction leads us now to the act of worship that we are about to engage in, inshallah ta'ala, in a few days time. And this is Ramadan, the month of Ramadan. And the month of Ramadan is, uh, and the fasting in the month of Ramadan is one of those great aspects of worship in which a person truly perceives Tawheed. 
in which he perceives Tawheed in, in, in a somewhat emphasized way over other particular actions. And this is because fasting, first of all, it is from the actions of the body. After the first pillar of Islam, which is the Shahada, that there is none which has the right to be worshipped except Allah, and that Muhammad is his messenger, we see that the next two greatest obligations both involve the body. The first is the prayer, a salah. And with a salah, what we are doing is we are actually performing actions with the body. Then after that is a psalm. And with a psalm, what we are doing is we are avoiding actions of the body. So these two great pillars of Islam that come after Tawheed, they both involve the body. One is performance and the other is abstinence. With one you perform. So with the salah, we obviously we, we purify ourselves, then we perform actions at certain times with the body. And so we strive against our, our body and our soul and to make it have patience in performing these actions which are obedience to Allah. Whereas with Saum, what we are doing is we, it is pure abandonment. It is tark. It is, instead of fi'al, action, it is abandonment. So we are abandoning food. We are abandoning drink. We are abandoning uh, relations. We are abandoning... So these, these are hissi. These are things which, which are physical and perceived. So we abandon those things. And there are those things which are ma'nawi. They are conceptual. So we abandon lying. We abandon jealousy, we abandon backbiting, we abandon those types of things. Right? So these are hissi and ma'nawi. We abandon all these things. All of this is pure abandonment. So this is as-siyam. So it is uh, from those acts of worship which involve the body, which, are from the, which is from the greatest pillars of Islam. And it is therefore from the greatest actions of worship. So let's look at then the aspect of worship in As-Sawm and let's look at some of the texts which have come in this regard. So first of all, the statement of Allah Azawajal in which fasting becomes obligatory. Ya ayuhal ladheena amanu kutiba alaykum wassiyam kama kutiba ala alladheena min qablikum la'allakum tattaqoon. O you who believe, fasting has been prescribed upon you as it was prescribed upon those before you in order that you may achieve taqwa, in order that you may become pious. And this action of fasting is a means, amongst the means, by which we fulfill our purpose of worshipping Allah Azawajal. I did not create men in jinn and men except that they may worship me. So Asiyam is from the greatest of acts of worship by which the uluhiyya of Allah, Allah's sole right to be worshipped, is actualized. How we actualize this purpose for which we have been created. Now, with fasting, it is unique. There's something unique about fasting that does not exist for any other act of worship. And this is clearly stated in the hadith itself. Because in the hadith that we that with respect to fasting, we see at the end of that hadith, Illa Saum Fa innahuli wa ajzi bihi. Except for fasting, for indeed that is for me. Fa innahuli. And we'll expand upon what this means shortly, inshallah ta'ala. 
it is for me and I shall reward for it what does it mean and what have the scholars said about this part of the hadith because there's something unique about fasting that doesn't apply to other actions of worship so we have from the scholars when we go back to the scholars in explanation of this hadith how have they explained this wording how is fasting unique and different to all of the aspects of worship so there are numerous statements amongst the scholars from them is from them is and we should understand these various meanings from them is the first one is that with fasting the aspect of showing off cannot really apply because showing off doesn't really apply to fasting because uh, this is because it is unlike the other acts of worship such as for example praying or giving charity or things which people see and observe the aspect of showing off is something that can, that, that can very easily enter into those actions but as for psalm, as for fasting it is something that riyah does not really enter into it so it is unlike other actions in that respect this is one explanation for this statement when Allah says except for fasting for indeed it is for me it is done for me secondly the second understanding could be some of the scholars uh, they say that what it means it means that the reward the knowledge of the reward for fasting is known only to Allah we see that all the other deeds they have been specified with numerical rewards a deed is rewarded with 10 times its like and then it can be multiplied up to you know it can go up to 700 and then it can go even further and be multiplied even more as for fasting it does not enter into that you know the, the, those details fasting is unique and uh, only Allah knows the actual extent of reward for each individual for his fasting so it, so it comes out of what, what we normally know for other, other deeds so this is another explanation from other you know, uh, scholars that it relates to the extent of reward which only Allah knows right? so we have no riya, no riya extent of reward and all these explanations they are not they are compatible that means that all these meanings are correct at the same time right the third statement or the third explanation is that uh, it's, it's basically similar to the previous one that every act of worship a specific reward has been mentioned with respect to it so you see that there are many types of reward uh, many types of actions where it will say that so and so person will have a house in paradise or so and so person will have such and such or so will have such and such but you see that with fasting, no reward, specific reward, has been mentioned with respect to it. And why? Because it is a, an act of worship for which Allah specifically will give the reward for it, however He wills. However He wills. And that is based upon the person's you know, sincerity and his striving and, and so on and so forth. The fourth position and this is actually a, a, a good, important point for us to understand the status of fasting. This is a really good point. Which is that if you look at all 
of the other actions of a servant. When it comes to Yawmul Qiyamah, and a, and a servant has come and he's committed oppression against other people, right? You've committed zulm against other people. So you've spoke against that one, you've backbitten that one, you've taken the wealth of that one, you've physically harmed that one, and so on and so forth. Those people will be able to take your, your deeds from your deeds. Whatever deeds that you have, they will take from your righteous deeds. However, fasting is accepted from that. Fasting does not apply from those deeds which can be taken from you. So this is another explanation from the scholars in terms of what it means. So this means, like you see in the hadith, that a man will come on Yawm Al-Qiyamah and he will come having spoken against that one, backbitten that one, reviled this one, harmed that one, you know, abused that one, physically harmed that one, killed that one, whatever. He'll come with all these oppressions and transgressions. So what will happen is, his good deeds will be taken by those people until there is nothing left with him at all. But because fasting is an exception to all of that, fasting doesn't come into that, then that fasting is something that uh, will, 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 will be something that will, that, will, that will save him, that will potentially save him. And they will not be able to take from his fasting. Why? Because that fasting... There's something unique about fasting in that it is done only for Allah Azza wa Jal. So when you look at fasting from this angle and the way it has been mentioned, it allows us to appreciate the tremendous act of worship that we are about to engage in and how it can be, how it repels from all types of evils and harms that might come our way, whether in this life or whether in the next life. So then we find, leading to our point, that the issue of Tawheed is something that manifests very strongly in the affair of, of, of fasting specifically from all these angles. The reward is left unmentioned. The reward is, it is something in which Riyadh does not really manifest itself. It doesn't very easily come into, into the issue of fasting. And the fact that it is something that will that cannot be taken due to zulm that a person might have been committed. All these things show the tremendous status of Tawheed. And also, um, we see in the uh, statement from Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, explaining why fasting is such, he says, وَمَا ذَاكَ إِلَّا لِأَنَّهُ صَبَّرَ النَّفْسِ وَمَنَعَهَا مِنْ شِهَوَاتِهَا It is because a person when he's fasting, he is forcing his soul to have patience. And he's preventing it from its desires. As we see in the hadith, That a person, he leaves his food and his drink and his desires for my sake. And likewise, in another hadith, the Prophet ﷺ, he said, when someone asked him about the best of actions, he said, Upon you is fasting because there is nothing that is equal to it. And likewise we see that in the Quran, Ista'inu bisabri wassalah, this ayah in Surah Al-Baqarah, when Allah says, seek aid by way of patience and prayer. The scholars have explained that this patience that is mentioned in this, in this ayah is actually fasting. Is fasting. Seek aid from Allah through fasting and through prayer. 
And this is the saying of a large group from amongst the Salaf. They said, Al-Murad bisabr huna huwa sawm. That what is intended from this is actually a sawm, is fasting. Why? Because a person is abandoning food, abandoning, abandoning drink, abandoning relations. And so hence the sabr here in this ayah is actually fasting. That's the statement of Ibn al-Qayyim that we've been reading uh, just, just before that. So now we see that sawm is ibadah. It is from the greatest of actions we have been commanded with, from the actions of the body. And the aspect of Tawheed uh, flows through it in a very strong manner, as is clear. And also, as we shall see in the next part, in the next point. So the second point, so we've had an introduction. We've had the first point, which is that fasting is ibadah, by which we establish the uluhiyah of Allah Azza wa Jal. And the aspect of Tawheed is very clear from the reasons that we mentioned. Now we move to point number two, which is looking at the aspect of ikhlas, sincerity within this act of worship. So as we know, an action has to be sincere to Allah, and it also has to be done in accordance with the sunnah for it to be acceptable to Allah Azza wa Jal. So we return back to that same hadith, إِلَّا الصَّوْمْ فَإِنَّهُ لِي وَأَنَا أَجْزِي بِهِ Allah speaking about fasting. For indeed fasting, it is done for me and I reward for it. Imam Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, since all of the actions Ar-Riya can enter into them, however fasting is something that no one really knows except for Allah Azza wa Jal, whether a person is truly and really fasting. Right? It is something that only Allah knows and something that you can carry as a secret. Right? Whether you are truly fasting, whether you are abandoning evil speech, food, drink, it is a secret between you and between Allah. And so because fasting is like that, then Allah He attributed this fasting. He said, فَإِنَّهُ لِي It is done for me. He ascribed it to himself. This is a statement of Imam Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah. And Sheikh Ibn Thaymeen rahimahullah has a, a detailed explanation upon that. We'll go through it inshallah ta'ala. He basically says there are two angles to this hadith. إِلَّا الصَّوْمْ فَإِنَّهُ لِي Except fasting because it is for me. And in the second part he said وَأَنَا أَجْزِي بِهِ I reward for it. Right, so there are two statements that we're going to look at. So as for the first, <coughs> the shaykh, he says, Rahimahullah, that Allah Azawajal, he specified fasting and made it specifically for himself as opposed to all other actions. Why? Because fasting has a specific, has, has a nobility and a station with him. And the aspect of ikhlas is very apparent within it because it is a secret between the servant, between you and between Allah. Why is this? Because a fasting person, the shaykh says, you could be in any place, you could be in your room, by yourself, in secret, no one can see you, you can very easily eat something, you can very, very easily drink something, you can very easily look at something, you can very easily you know, harbor emotions and feelings, all of this you can do that. No one would know any better. No one knows. And because a person... You know, he knows that all of this is haram. He knows this is unlawful. And out of fear of punishment, 
he withholds from all of that and no one can see no one can see that from him as opposed to all the other actions with for example charity with for example prayer these are things that people can observe and the aspect of riya is something that, that can quite easily enter into that whereas with fasting it is unique in that sense so the shaykh says because of this allah azawajal is one famin ajli dhalik shakar allah lahu hadha al-ikhlas allah is you know he acknowledges and accepts this the fact that this, there is this ikhlas and that's why he made this fasting to be for himself as opposed to all other actions and that's why he said in the hadith yad'u shahwatahu wa ta'amahu min ajli that my servant he leaves his lusts he leaves his food for my sake and from this the shaykh says we then understand why the reward for fasting has been left unmentioned and left specifically for yawmul qiyamah the shaykh then quotes a statement from sufyan bin uyayna rahimahullah who said that when it is yawmul qiyamah idha kana yawmul qiyamah yuhasibullahu abdah wa yu'addi ma alayhi min almadhalim min sa'iri amalihi حتى إذا لم يبق إلا الصوم يتحمل الله عنه ما بقي من المظالم ويدخله ويدخله الجنة بالصوم. When it is يوم القيامة, a servant will be held accountable for all of his actions, and this includes whatever wrongs and oppressions he has committed. So those wrongs and oppressions. they will be taken from his deeds until those wrongs and oppressions have been removed until there is left with him only fasting and when there is left only fasting that fasting will be able to bear the rest of the oppressions which are outstanding right so let's see the, let's make the picture clear you come on yawmul qiyamah you have oppressions against many people right you've reviled that one abused that one harmed that one took the money of that one unlawfully cheated that one deceived this one and so on and so forth right on yawm al-qiyamah you you come those people now as you are held accountable by Allah your deeds are now taken from you and stripped from you by those people to the extent of the zulm that you committed against them until everything is gone all your dhikr is gone all your recitation of the Quran is gone all the things you charit everything is gone and the only is left with you what fasting so the position of fasting and the status of fasting is such that it can bear oppression so that fasting will account for whatever oppression is left according to what sufyan bin uyayna said and on account of that fasting Allah, that that fasting will will be able to bear whatever oppression is left and allah zawajal on account of that he will enter that person into paradise by way of that fasting So that fasting is something that will accommodate for a person the madhalim the, the the oppressions which he committed so this is the tremendous status of fasting then the shaykh goes on to explain the second angle so now it's the second statement wa ana ajzi bih so the first half fa innahu li except fa- fasting for indeed it is for me and the second part it is wa ana ajzi bih i shall reward for it the shaykh says that al-jaza Allah azawajal he ascribed the reward giving the reward to himself he ascribed it to himself why because all other actions they are multiplied in number 
times, up to 700 times, until multiple times that as well. أَمَّا الصَّوْمْ As for fasting, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ أَضَافَ الْجَزَاءَ عَلِيهِ إِلَى نَفْسِهِ مِنْ غَيْرِ إِعْتِبَارَ عَدَدٍ For indeed Allah ascribed that reward to Himself without any consideration of numbers. Without any consideration of numbers. And He, Subhanahu, is the most generous of those who are generous. And, you know, He gives everyone according to what He deserves. So hence, the reward of a fasting person doesn't come into that, that, that num- you know, the, the, the numbers that we mentioned earlier. Rather, it is a reward, a mighty reward, bila hisab, without any of the restrictions of numbering that was, that was mentioned for other actions. And this is because asiyam is uh, sabr, it is having patience upon obedience to Allah, it is patience on keeping away from all what Allah has prohibited. And it is patience upon the aqdar, from the decrees of Allah. You, because you, you, you come across pain, harm, hunger, on account of fasting. And so you, 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 you are having sabr from the qadr, with respect to the qadr of Allah Azawajal. You have a weakness in the body and the soul. So all these things, because they come into sabr, it means that a person is combining all the different types of sabr together into one. And then we see that in the Quran, what did Allah say? He said about the sabirin. He said, إِنَّمَا يُوَفَّ الصَّابِرُونَ أَجَرَهُمْ بِغَيْرِ حِسَابٍ Indeed, Allah shall, shall reward and, and recompense the sabirun, the sabirun without any accounting. Without any accounting, without without hisab. So this shows that the fasting person is the one who combines all the types of patience. And for patience, as we see in this ayah, the ajar is bi hisab. The reward is without any accounting. So this shows again the tremendous reward for fasting and especially when the aspect of ikhlas, sincerity is included within it. So as we said, as we've seen, that the aspect of fasting, the aspect of fasting, or the aspect of sincerity within fasting is something that is more so than in other actions, because you, you, uh, showing off can't really come into, into, into fasting. It doesn't really come into fasting. It's one of those actions where it's very hard for riyah to enter into fasting. So the aspect of tawheed is pronounced within the issue of fasting. And because of that, the reward for fasting, as you've seen, it has been left unmentioned as opposed to all other actions. So far we've covered ibadah, fasting being ibadah, and therefore from the actualization of tawheed, that was point number one. Point number two, we looked at how ikhlas manifests in fasting more easily and is more pronounced compared to other actions. And why for that reason, and also because of the reason that it has a tremendous amount of patience and all the types of patience, that the reward for it is without any accounting. It is left unmentioned and is tremendous. This brings us to the third element which is important to mention, and this is the aspect of sticking to the sunnah. Sticking to the, uh, the sunnah. So the sunnah, when a person adheres to the command of the messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, then obviously he is actualizing Tawheed. 
Why? Because Allah has commanded in the Quran for us to obey uh, the Messenger. Obey Allah and obey the Messenger in order that you may be shown mercy. So uh, we see that obedience to the Messenger is something by, by which we actualize our obedience to Allah and obedience to Allah is from the requirements of His Tawheed. So therefore, when you make a conscious effort to make your fasting in line with the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah and you study his sunnah and you return back to the people of knowledge and you ask about the ahkam, the rulings of fasting and you want to abide by the sunnah, you follow the sunnah, then you are actualizing Tawheed. This is the aspect of Tawheed being manifested in, with, with relation to the, the, the song, with relation to the fasting itself. So we are making mutaba'ah. We are following the Messenger of Allah. Now with respect to fasting, there are obligations, there are many different affairs. Again, for the sake of brevity, we will mention the most prominent and the most important of things that a Muslim should stick to as it relates to his fasting. We mentioned four or five points and it relates specifically to as-sahur and likewise al-iftar so first of all a person should first of all take as-sahur which is the, the the meal that is taken before just slightly before dawn the true dawn from anas bin malik radiyallahu anhu said that the messenger of allah he said the sahharu fa inna fi sahur baraka take the pre-dawn meal. For indeed, within this meal, there is barakah, there is blessing for you. Right? So this is from the greatest of the sunnahs that a person can actually adhere to, to take the sahur. Secondly, the second thing that a person can do is to take dates, to make dates as part of his sahur, because the Messenger of Allah said, Ni'ma sahurul mu'min at-tamar. How excellent, uh, uh, how excellent it is for sahur, for the sahur of a believer, to take dates, to make to take dates. Thirdly, to delay the sahur as much as possible, close to the actual time of dawn, just before the true dawn. The true dawn is the dawn that you see when the light spreads at the bottom of the horizon like this. Right? This is the true dawn. And, and because before that there is a false dawn where you'll see light in just one specific area, right? One specific area of the horizon. And that's because as the sun moves and comes uh, to you, its light comes like in a circle like that. And the false dawn is when you see the first part of the light coming at one point in the horizon. As the sun moves closer and closer, that, that circle of light comes closer to you and it spreads among the horizon. That is the true dawn, right? That's where the ruling applies for the, you know, stopping uh, 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 eating. So you delay the sahur as much as possible prior to the actual true dawn. And so we see from Zayd bin Thabit radiyallahu anhu, who said, Tasaharna ma'an Nabi sallam, thumma qama ila salah, kultu kam bayna al-adhan was sahur. So he said, we took sahur with the Prophet ﷺ, and then he stood up in order to pray. 
So I said, how long was there between the Adhan and the Sahur? What was the distance, the time between Adhan and Sahur? And he said, the extent of 50 verses. The extent of 50 verses. And these verses are from the verses that you read towards the end of the, of the Quran. So the time it takes to read roughly 50 verses, and you could say that's maybe uh, two pages of the Quran towards the end verses at the end, two pages of the Quran. And on average, if you read at normal rate between you know, a page of the Quran, it takes you roughly two, two and a half minutes. So on average between you know, a few minutes to five minutes, right? Before the, before the uh, dawn itself, the actual true dawn. So you delay the sahur to that point as much as you are able to before the before the actual um, uh, dawn itself. Fourthly, from the sticking to the sunnah, is to delay the fitr, to de delay the, 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 the sorry to delay the breaking of the fast itself, the iftar. So from Sahal bin Saad, who said that the messenger of Allah sallam. He said, لا يزال الناس ما عجلوا الفطر. The people will not cease to be upon goodness so long as they delay the breaking of the fast. And fifthly, that when a person breaks the fast, he breaks it with fresh dates, with rutab. And if not, then with dates. Right? So dates have a, a different stages. One of those stages is where the date is, is fresh and it hasn't become hard yet. It is soft and tender. And so this is the stage of when, when we call it a rutab. And then after that, when it becomes hard, this is now a tamar. So it is best to break fast with our, the, 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 the first stage. From Anas bin Malik, who said that the Messenger of Allah, he used to break his fast with a few uh, dates, which are, of this, which are of this stage. And if there wasn't any of these types of dates, then with tamarat. Then with the later stage of dates, the, the, the harder you know, uh, dates. And if not, then he took a few uh, breaths of, of water. Well, this is how he would break his fast in that manner. So these are, the, some, these are some of the things that we do from the sunnah at both the initiation of the fast and then the breaking of the fast. And so these are just some of the affairs. Obviously, there are many other affairs that a person can stick to. Um, but these are the main things. Uh, that a person can stick to in order to abide by the sunnah, make mutaba'ah, follow the messenger of Allah and thereby actualize the meaning of tawheed because he's obeying the messenger by way of the command of Allah Azza wa Jal. So this really brings us to an end to the first part of our talk, which is the manifestation of tawheed in fasting and looking at the greatness and the excellence and the virtue of fasting itself. And so what we'll do is we'll stop at this point and in the second half of this lecture, inshallah ta'ala, we will look at the objectives that every Muslim should be looking to attain by way of fasting. Right? There are a, new, a number of different objectives that every person should be looking to uh, perform, to fulfill by way of his fasting in Ramadan. And so we look at that, inshallah ta'ala, in the second part of this uh, series. With that, we'll conclude our lesson there uh, for now. Uh, I believe there's a break now between now and between the, the next lesson, which shall start in about an hour, an hour and a half's time. 
So we'll conclude there. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.